Welcome back to One Book That Changed My Life, where entrepreneurs and experts share one book and the life-changing principles they applied. If you love that flash, that spark of inspiration when a great idea just leaps off the page at you, but you don't have time for all the amazing books you run across, then this podcast is designed for you. In each episode, you'll discover business books, past and present, that are changing the lives of people just like you and come away with insights you can put into action right now. So let's jump into the latest book. Welcome back to the podcast. My special guest today is Mike Kim. You might know Mike from the host of You Are The Brand podcast, which is consistently ranked, if not the number one, then certainly right up there with personal branding and marketing podcasts in the country. And he is a Wall Street Journal bestselling author of the book by the same name, You Are The Brand. And he has done some incredible work behind the scenes with folks that you absolutely know, like John Maxwell and Donald Miller from StoryBrand. He is an insanely good copywriter, uh, very, very well known in that space. And, uh, and just a great writer, speaker, mastermind leader, workshop leader, uh, all around, uh, very, very sharp guy, conceptual, abstract thinker, very, very high theoretical level. And one of the things that I love about uh, getting into this type of conversation with folks like that is that they all very much appreciate books. And if you're in the audience for this podcast, then you appreciate books and you love to hear from people who have come across a book that they really treasure and has really made a huge impact on their life. And they're excited to share it. That is this conversation. Uh, we're talking about a book that I've never heard of before called Necessary Endings. And we're talking about how do you appreciate and maybe even celebrate the things in your life that come to an end and how that makes the beginnings all the sweeter and it makes the endings fulfill their purpose in your life so that you can get on to the next stage. And really great conversation. I'm super excited for you to hear it. So without further ado, let's jump in. This is Mike Kim of You Are The Brand. Mike Kim, officially welcome to the show. Thanks, Matt. It's good to be here. I'm looking forward to just kind of chilling and talking and everyone tuning in. Hope to add some value to you today. Oh, we will. Uh, it's uh, it's going to be a fun conversation. We had uh, quite quite an animated, lively pre, pre-show pre where we found out we have all kinds of weird things in common that we can't go into on the show. But we're going to talk about the book, Necessary Endings, Dr. Henry Cloud. So uh, before we jump into that, just give people a sense of, um, you know, I, I gave people obviously the bona fides, the credentials and the Wall Street Journal bestseller and all that stuff. What what do you tell people when they ask you, what the hell do you actually do, Mike? What What's your answer to that? <laughs> this is how I explain it to my six-year-old nephew. I say, uh, Uncle Mike helps business owners market themselves better using words. And that's it. <laughs> he's like, oh, okay, okay. And he's like, do you write stories? Oh, like, yeah, sometimes. And do you write emails? I'm like, yeah, sometimes. And so that's how I that's how I say it. You know, yeah, I help business owners make more money using words. And um, <laughs> you know, words are a big thing. You know, it's it's not always the best way to communicate. You know, I think we lose a lot of that. A lot, a lot of gets a lot of it gets lost in translation. But there's a lot that can be said if we use them right. And uh, that's why I love books and. Uh, I love talking about stuff like this. Oh, I know. Yeah. I was going to say, I have a feeling we could probably do uh, an entire, so well, you could do your own podcast about books that change your life. It would, it would probably yes. be a very long multi-season podcast. <laughs> I know it would for be for me if I did one. Um, so let's talk about necessary endings. So do you remember when this book kind of first came into your life? Yeah, probably 2012. And uh, it hit me like at this really weird time. We, You and I talked about this in a little, a little bit in the pre-show. So um, my prior career to all of this, super random, it seems like a totally different life. For four years, I was the music director at a church in Connecticut, in Hartford, Connecticut. And this was a big, you know, sized church for um, that part of the country. And I met a guy who was doing the same exact thing, except like on a much bigger scale. And after I met this guy, I was like, I don't think I want to do this with my life. 
Mm. Like I met the guy who was at the top of the mountain, literally like you could see the Rocky Mountains out of his office window. He was in Colorado. And I was like, if everything goes right in my life in 15 years, is this what I want? And I said, no. And it started me down this whole path. Like, well, what the heck do I do? And one thing I've always done when I didn't know what to do is try to read a lot of books. Yeah. And I heard some podcasts. I, you know, I stopped listening to Gossip for Men, also known as Sports Radio. You know, and I <laughs> Gossip <laughs> for Men. <laughs> How dare you, sir? How dare you? Oh man, I gotta I'm gonna have to delete the PFF NFL podcast off my off my phone now. Come on, man. All right, go ahead. Uh, you know, I grew up in the New York City area, so that's all uh, we had the best sports yeah, that is, to find the country. That is that is gossip for men. That's true. That's a whole nother yeah. level. Oh, and we were just, you know, I was just like listening to podcasts on personal development. Somewhere, some along, somewhere along the line, I heard people talking about this book, Necessary Endings, and I picked it up. And um, the, the, the basic premise of the book is that endings are just as normal a part of life as beginnings. And we love celebrating beginnings. Spring, mm-hmm. fall, new school year, new relationship, new, new whatever, new job. But endings have to happen in order for new beginnings to happen. And we tend to despise endings. And so here I was at this point where I was like, okay, something's really ending in my life. My, my identity, my professional identity, um, you know, much deeper than that because it was like religious in nature, like my, my mm. spiritual identity, who I was as a person, my belief system, all this stuff feels like it's sort of ending. Well, what the heck, like, how do I deal with this? And the book really helped me in a lot of ways with that. Man, that's incredible. Yeah, yeah that's... Um... You're about 10 years ahead of me on that particular journey. It took me uh, maybe longer of banging my head against the wall to, uh, to figure it out. So there's, yeah, uh, I can, I can relate in a lot of disturbingly similar ways, but that that's, I mean, literally I was talking about it with a mentor of mine the other day, just the, the, the death of your original dream, right? If you like, if you had like what we probably had, like we had a vision of how our life was going to turn out a dream for the impact that we were going to make a dream for what that was going to look like. You know, I've had people tell me, you know, you're going to, you know, probably the same things they told you. You're going to go to nations. You're going to do this. You're going to play all over the world. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then you get to that point, you either realize that's not what you want to do or just the doors aren't opening or some combination of those two. And you're like, do I really want to keep, do I want to kick down the doors? Do I want to make that happen? And then if you get that, that you catch that vision of it, you're like, man alive, like I've seen the end of it. I've seen the end of that road and it's not what I want that. I mean, it's, you're very fortunate. Um, I did that in music on the secular side too. I got in like four different bands and, and got just enough of it to look down the road of like constantly touring, constantly promoting an album, spending over half your time marketing, and then trying to also create amazing music. Like it's a, that is a hard road to be an independent musician these days, you know? It really is. Um, I think one of the one of the, the the analogy that stuck with me the most in the book, um, he uses an analogy of a rose bush. Uh, Henry Cloud does, mm-hmm. and this guy he's like a he's like uh, he's like a psychologist, and he wrote this book for business leaders, right? <laughs> and like, but there's so many life principles. He's like, well, a rose bush, if you think about it, can't actually sustain itself. It it needs a gardener to come up and prop it up around a fence. You know, it's not like a tr- I've never done you know, rose like, gardening, but I didn't realize yeah. that. And then uh, my ex-wife at the time, she was growing tomato plants. Same thing. Like she was growing tomato plants on the porch. And like, I was like, that is kind of ridiculous. Just the stupid plant bears so much fruit. It can't even stand up on its own. It needs a human being to wrap the vine around, you know, these other structures. Mm-hmm. 
And then you need to consistently prune the buds, not just the bad ones, but the good ones, because the nutrient supply is limited. And you've got to divert those resources to just the best tomatoes or the best roses. Mm-hmm. And like, that's just such a picture of our lives. Like you, you were just saying it with, with touring, like you produce so much music, you produce so much content, you produce so many new opportunities when you're actually halfway decent or even really good at what you do, you can't keep up with it. Yeah. Something's got to give. And, um, you know, I, I saw that happen in my professional life. I saw that happen then a few years after that in my personal life, when our marriage ended. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what the heck? Everything's just ending all the time. <laughs> and I realized that like learning to negotiate endings well is a skill that we are not taught well in life. No yeah, one talks that's about the it. truth. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. So with the with the all the endings that you've gone through, especially like having some of them happen around the same time, uh, did you feel like you were able to break through to a place where you could celebrate the endings this like in a similar way that you'd celebrate the beginning because they're the beginning of something new or is did do you look at it as more of like a grieving and recovery process how did you look at it for me it's been more of a grieving and recovery mm-hmm. um you know that 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 professional change in my life happened you know almost 10 years ago so i can sort of just hang the jersey in the rafters <laughs> you know like an nba player like mm-hmm. okay that happens I see it up there. It definitely happened. That was part of my life, but I can't, I can't play on that court anymore. That's not me. Mm-hmm. Um, my marriage kind of went completely sideways five years ago. We got officially divorced three years ago. And I do honestly finally feel like I can hang that in the rafters. Mm-hmm. It t- that was harder. Uh, that was definitely harder. Yeah. Um, because you talk mm-hmm. about the death of a future and grieving a future you thought you were going to have, you mentioned, you know, bands and touring and then, you know, a life with somebody. Um, it was like grieving a death, yeah. you know, and it takes some time, but now I can look at it with a different perspective. And I've done a lot of work to, you know, work on myself and to heal and go through that. And I can say, okay, I can honor it for what it was. I'm not upset about what it wasn't and I can move on. And it's, it's, it's really, it's, it's a cliche, but sometimes time is Time is really the only thing that can really, you know, allow um, for things to grow. I, I grew up in New Jersey and I'm here now. They call it the Garden State, but it's got terrible gardens. <laughs> it's just traffic and <laughs> traffic and pollution. Although I live literally five minutes from New York City. I can see the bridge from my house. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I, I remember we bought a house here a couple of years ago. That was the last house I lived in. And uh, the, the, it was a new house and the lawn hadn't yet settled. And I'm like asking the uh, landscaper, I was like, hey, how do, I, how do I get this lawn up and running? Like, what do we need? You can't, it doesn't matter if you sprinkle it for seven straight days, it's not gonna work. Oh, okay. Like only time, it, it, only time will allow this lawn to grow into what it can be. And I was like, well, frick, who wants to wait for it to get rolling the new thing, you know? <laughs> exactly. And we're like that in everyday life and necessary endings. I mean, that title is brilliant, they're necessary. And they're going to happen one way or another. And are you willing to learn how to navigate those things? Well, mm-hmm. it's, it's just brilliant. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. A mentor of mine said the other day that uh, I think we we're talking about it in a couple of different contexts, personal relationships, business relationships, that if you don't know how to end a relationship the right way, like don't get into another one 
to like don't start another one right like the better the better you are at ending them and knowing how to end them properly the better you'll be at starting them which is an yes. interesting phrase let's talk about pruning a little bit so you mentioned before we hit record that you kind of go back and you you still reread this book periodically and it inspires you to to prune away um you seem like the type of person that, that likes to have a lot of projects going on at one point. You know, you want things that are intellectually stimulating, emotionally interesting. I think you probably both have that in common because we're, we're always searching out new, I don't know, intellectual frontiers, I guess. That yeah. seems to be probably a big part of what drives you. How do you determine uh, for yourself what you prune away because it's, it's good but not great uh, when, you know, like you just, you want that intellectual variety? Mm. I think for me, um, what tends to fill my calendar, probably like a lot of other entrepreneurs, is just busyness. And that busyness stems from opportunities. Yeah. Right? Like, if you want to get me to say yes to something, just put the word opportunity on it. <laughs> right? I'm like, oh, okay, it's just an opportunity. All right. Let's go do this. Right? Okay. And um, a, a couple of years ago, I, I a friend of mine showed me this grid at a, at a mastermind that I was hosting. And he was just sharing this resource. I don't know where he got it from. And he's like, just draw a four box quadrant, you know, um, and on the top left is things that you love doing and you're great at. I was mm -hmm. like, okay, you know, top right quadrant, things that you're good at and that um, you enjoy doing, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's like lower a nice left, step down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lower left quadrant is things that you're um, uh, bad at and you don't like doing. And the, the fourth quadrant, of course, is things you hate and you suck at, right? <laughs> And I just started listing things down that I do in my business every day, not necessarily just intellectually, but things that I'm, you know, keeping, taking up my time. And I was surprised to write in the top left, the things I was great at and I love doing. I love connecting with other business owners. I love mm -hmm. running masterminds. I love doing workshops. Mm -hmm. I was like, huh, interesting, right? Things that I'm good at doing and that I, I enjoy doing, um, speaking, like public speaking. Right. I love it. I, I enjoy it. I don't want to do it every week. Mm -hmm. um, copywriting. Like, I think I'm probably a, a better writer than I, I give myself credit for, but I don't love doing it. So that's why it's in that quadrant, right? Mm -hmm. Like you have to pay me well to, to, to bite that bullet, right? Yeah. Um, things that I'm okay at and that like I don't really enjoy doing like social media and like, you know, all this stuff. And then things I suck at and hate doing budgets, finance, whatever, you know, right. all logistics details, right? And I just started to look at how much of my calendar was in alignment with what I wrote on those four boxes. <laughs> and I'm like, oh crap. Yeah. Like, no wonder I'm not happy. <laughs> no wonder. And, and then, so if I put the intellectual lens on it, like you were asking, I love to read about networking. Let's take a quick break from the conversation. Are you interested in running a podcast like this? Then check out our done for you service and grab a 15 minute podcast brainstorm call. We'll talk through your podcast idea and the business behind it, so you'll know exactly how a podcast can attract ideal clients and bring you 5 to 10x return. Schedule your call today at pursuingresults.com. And now, let's jump back into the conversation. I love to read about how people connect with other people. I love to read about relationships, believe it or not. You know, I'm, I'm still single. I just read this, this other book. You, you, you should find somebody who loves this book. It's called uh, Attached. Attached. Yeah. Is this and about it's a attachment theory, like yeah, attachment, attachment theory? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant, brilliant, okay. right? Avoidant, um, secure, yep. and and uh, anxious. And it's just, I was like, I just love reading about how human beings connect to one yeah, another. Too. Um, I love reading about, um, you know, entrepreneurs or inventors who worked 
at a work in their workshop in the tool shed, just grinding, you know, chopping wood and carrying water and experimenting. <laughs> I love watching behind the scenes training videos of professional athletes and really? and pro wrestling. I'm I'm like consumed by it. anytime huh. someone has like practice footage of Kobe Bryant working out or Michael Jordan's workouts or like The Rock. I'm like, oh, I'm all in. It's like very like I didn't even know they had footage of like. MJ or Kobe's workouts. Watch I'd be all the over last that too. Dance. Yeah, the, I watched, watched the last, yeah, I watched the last yeah, dance. They yeah, they had a few clips of that. Um, yeah. You know, even practices with the Lakers, like Kobe Bryant, mm-hmm. like these guys talking about their workout routines, like Arnold Schwarzenegger, they got that whole thing on YouTube, like when he was younger. Oh yeah, his documentary um, from back in the yeah. day. Yeah. Freaking like, I don't know what it is about that, but like, I just want to know how these guys and gals have chopped wood and carried water, like how they've yeah. formed themselves into who they are. You know, so that aligns with the stuff that's in quadrant one. Like mm-hmm. I love connecting with people. I love understanding how human beings relate to one another. Mm-hmm. And I love how uh, studying the process of how people become who they are. I don't read books about copywriting anymore. I don't read books about public speaking anymore. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> yeah. I'm good at it. I can, I can do it. I'll prep really well. Uh, a lot of those talents came probably from that previous career that I was in. I spoke on stage all the time, you know, Mm. I wrote songs and all that kind of stuff, but it's that quadrant one stuff that really rings my bell. And, um, it's what I love helping people do. Yeah. That's interesting. I love that exercise. I, I think I came across something similar a while back and it was in the book, um, scale by David Finkel and Jeff Hoffman. Yeah. One of my Uh top five, like recommended books of all time. Um, and when I did it, Uh, So uh, we are similar up until this point, which is that our top two quadrants, the boxes are reversed. If I had to do nothing but like workshops and masterminds and stuff, I would enjoy it. But that's a little too people in my spacey for me, Mm. right? So I'd rather speak. I'd rather write. I love to write. Like I'm all about like sitting down and and writing, copywriting in the afternoon, stuff like that. So um, it's an insanely valuable exercise. Um, So speaking of the pruning, So once a week I sit down and my executive assistant slash, you know, kind of biz dev researcher jumps on and we have like a group meeting and in the lead up to kind of opening it up for the group, we look at my calendar and I interrogate my calendar, right? To make sure that the stuff that's going on my calendar doesn't fall into those lower two quadrants, basically, you know, Uh, because yeah, you like, you have to just consistently keep on pruning because otherwise you'll just keep stacking up. Uh, cool opportunities that you say yes to, and then you realize that you've overcommitted. You can't, you can't really do your best work anymore. So speaking of your best work, let's finish out with this. Uh, your latest book, you just had it come out in July. What's up? Yeah, uh, it's called You Are the Brand. Um, I'm very proud of it. Yeah. Um, but I also tell people I hated writing every minute of it. <laughs> Why and, is that? <laughs> oh, well, you know... Well, back to kind of what I was sharing before. This is, this is, I don't, not a lot of people know this. I signed that book deal five years ago. Whoa. And literally after I, right after I signed the book deal, dude, I, this is what happened when we bought a, we bought a million dollar house, four bedroom house in New Jersey. This is where we're going to have our kids. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just six months earlier, I'd gone into business for myself full time. This is all in 2015. Okay. Wow. Um, I signed this book deal. And then my ex-wife's like, I don't want to be married anymore. Dude, just blew. Like, I mean, I was like, what the, like, what? Everything's yeah. going really well. So then we had to work on that. There was a lot of back and forth. And uh, I just didn't have the creative energy to do it. 
No. Like to write a book in the middle of all this personal turmoil. Yeah, that's um, insane. So I had to shelve it. And um, all of these years, I just sort of resented what happened. You know, I resented mm -hmm. like why these things, how it's like my, I would have been further along had I written a book all those years ago. And so when COVID happened and we were all quarantined, I'm like, if I don't write a book this year, I don't write this damn thing this year. Like I'm really literally not going to respect myself. <laughs> like I have to, I'm going to look in the mirror and be like, you are actually legitimately a failure. Right. You know, like, uh, <laughs> and I, I'm pretty good with self-talk, but I was like, I had to draw the line in the sand, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I wrote this book and, and Matt, it took me back to all those years, like of those necessary endings. When I left that previous position, when I changed my identity, I talk a lot about that stuff in the book. Hmm. It was basically a life pivot. And then like thinking about how my personal life changed. And so writing the book was actually very emotionally charged because I had to revisit those years. Yeah. And what's funny is that in writing the book and finally publishing it, it gave me closure. Really? It was like closing the chapter of that part of my life. And, um, you know, one of the lines I wrote in the book is like, you can't move on to the next chapter if you keep rereading the last one. Mm -hmm. And writing this and producing and taking all, and again, writing is in the second quadrant for me, right? It was not ringing my bell. Um, but I got it done. And I remember when I sent the Google Doc to the editors and the publisher, I just wept. I was in a high-rise hotel in downtown LA. I like to write in like lofty areas. It just makes me think bigger. Mm -hmm. And um, I just wept. Mm. And I was like, I don't know who's out there, the universe, whatever's in control of all this, but this was expensive. Here it is, take it mm. and do with it what you will. And um, so in that sense, I'm proud of myself for doing it, for writing it, for what I've produced. I did have this weird moment when, you know, I got the book in the mail, held it in my hands. I was like, this is it? All that for this? Right. <laughs> I was like, my baby's a little ugly, you know? I was like, oh. And then after a while, I was like, no, you know what? I need to celebrate this, like you were saying. And that was probably the first time in my life that I really was able to celebrate an ending. And I can just hang that thing in the rafters. I only have eight copies myself. Like, it's all in the warehouse. It's all through Amazon mm -hmm. now. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was, it was just powerful. And it was my story of how I, I built my personal brand business. And um, it's the book I wish I had when I started out. And mm -hmm. that's really it, you know? That's awesome. Yeah, the celebration, man. It's uh, still, still a ways off for me to celebrate the end of certain things, but mm -hmm. that'll, be, that'll be a good day. So when somebody comes on here to this mm -hmm. podcast a year or two from now and brings your book with them, you are the brand. What do you, what do you think they'll say? What do you hope that they say? What kind of life change do you hope that, that delivers? I hope that, um, they say this, um, you know, this Mike Kim guy talked about two ways people try to build their quote unquote personal brand and neither of them work. <laughs> you know, on one hand, people sell a false version of themselves. They like rent a mansion on Airbnb, take photos and imply that it's their house. Right. It's just a bunch of BS, right? Yeah. And on the other hand, and, and this might be even more insidious, um, people are trying to, um, they overshare things in the name of authenticity. Yes. And that's not what people are looking for. It's like, it's like they're getting attention the same way a car wreck on the interstate gets attention. Everyone slows mm -hmm. down, looks at it, but you can't build a community around it. No. You, you get it's this quick attention. They're, they're, 
yeah, they air their dirty laundry online and yeah. and all this sort of thing. And the litmus test for me is, and I, I ask this to people all the time, just ask yourself, can I build a campfire around what I'm sharing? By that, is it warm? Mm. Is it inviting? Is it a light in a dark place? Is it a place where people can share stories? Is it a place where a community can gather? Are you someone that people actually want to hang out with? Yeah. You know, at a campfire. And it's it's not lost on me how odd it is that I like to go out and eat at nice restaurants like every, well, most other people. And I walk into this, you know, these, these ritzy, skank, uh, these swanky restaurants. Um, and like, I'm like, there's literally paying to be in a, fi- a fake fire outdoors. <laughs> like we do that. We, right. we want the table with the fire and we're going to sit yeah. around and have whiskey. And it's like, there's just something about that analogy that's really spoke, spoken to me, you know, all these years. And it's what I, what I say in the book. And I just hope that people can say, Mike taught me, you know, how to, how to, how to be a person that people want to hang out with at a campfire. And that's it. You know, that would be a very, very good outcome of that book. <laughs> I hope, I hope that's the, I hope that's the change people get out of it. Cause that's, that's pretty awesome. Uh, all right, man. So, uh, obviously you mentioned Amazon, so that's how they go to get the book, but you've also got a podcast. So tell people where to go to get that. Yeah. The podcast is called you are the brand. We rebranded it, named it after the book and, um, it's all on the, the, the podcast outlets. I've been podcasting probably about eight years now, which is pretty crazy. Yeah. We've gone through a number of, you know, read brands, but it's the same feed. So you'll find all the old episodes on there. And it's really just about um, interviewing people who have created impact with their ideas and got their message heard and how they mm-hmm. did it. You know, yeah. and that's, that's really what I love talking about. Love it. All right, man. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, I've already, I, I think in the pre-show, I literally added the book to my Amazon cart because it's so incredibly timely. So I don't know if it'll hit everyone in the audience the way that it's hit me. Um, but yeah, it's definitely something that if you if you find yourself going through that ending stage and you're having trouble grieving it, that sounds like the perfect book uh, to help get over that hump and get to the point where you can celebrate the end. Love it. You'll love it. And the all you and the who are listening to it will love it. It's, it's, my top, it's in my top three books of all time. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. All right, man. Thanks so much for joining. Appreciate it. Thanks, brother. Thanks for listening. Thanks for rating and reviewing the show. And especially thank you for sharing the show with other entrepreneurs and experts. Every time you share the show, you're putting life-changing ideas into someone's life. Now to get the micro-famous field report that helps you turn your expertise into a lifestyle business without spending all day on social media, go to microfamous.substack.com and enter your email to access it for free. That's where you get all my podcast episodes, articles, sketches, videos, everything goes into the micro-famous field report. So go to Substack, sign up for that today so you get that and stay tuned for the next episode of One Book That Changed My Life. We'll see you there.